0: let's bow together father we do come before you and we do thank you for this opportunity to be together this opportunity to sing your praises this opportunity to exalt your son jesus and father i pray as we look into your word you would illumine our hearts that your spirit would help us understand what you intended that you would expose or convict any sin in our lives that you would correct us lord god and that uh we will be trained for every, in righteousness for every good deed. Father, I pray you'd use this time for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we talked about the reality that this life is full of trouble. That there are difficulties. Uh, why is this life so difficult? And we saw for the believer... That uh, God allows difficulties and uses difficulties uh, to train us, to, to educate us, to make us more like Jesus Christ. That he is a loving God who is using everything in our lives for our good. And yet within those difficulties we can get discouraged. We can become weak and feeble in the sense in our faith in Christ. Because things can be some, become so massive in front of us. So with that in mind, today we're going to see, in light of why things are so difficult, how we are to respond to the difficulties God allows in our lives. So with that in mind, would you turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be continuing. Uh, We'll have this message this week, and then we'll finish our portion in chapter 12 next week. We're going to be looking today at verses 12 and 13 in Hebrews chapter 12. And I believe we're going to see the first of two exhortations to heed or commands to heed in in light of what we've seen so far. Now, the context, we all pretty much were here last week, but I'm going to review it briefly. Uh, The context of the book of Hebrews, we know that it was written exclusively to Hebrew believers who were suffering for their faith. And they had become immature. They'd become dull of hearing. Their eyes had left Jesus, it seems, and they were focused on their difficulties, and they were in need of encouragement. They were in need of endurance. Chapter 10, verse 36. And now to exhort these believers to hold fast their confession in faith of Jesus, to exhort them not to turn away or quit or or, or to uh to uh, fall limp in a sense to, to not uh walk away from uh following Christ temporarily as believers, but as non-believers, to not walk away from him as the Savior. Uh, We have encouragement that Jesus Christ is a superior high priest, that he and his new covenant is greater than the old covenant, which they were familiar, uh, which was a type and shadow of what was to come. We see that the author begins to prove that Jesus is superior by proving he is superior to to the angels, the messengers of the old covenant, and that he is superior to Moses, the apostle of the old covenant, and that... He is also a superior high priest who mediates the superior covenant based on his once-for-all sacrifice for sins, which brought about eternal redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And then we saw what our response should be to so great a salvation as true believers that we are to be continually drawing near to him, hoping continually and loving him by loving and serving him and his people. Then in chapter 11, we have the direct encouragement beginning where we see the old testament saints who by faith endured they believed what god said we see the new covenant lifestyle as exemplified by old testament saints faith in the lord and faith in what he has said an eternal focus and then we came to chapter 12 where we saw we since we have so great a cloud of testifiers those old testament saints who endured who trusted god we see throughout the word of god they're surrounding us the examples are everywhere since we have so great a cloud of testifiers Let us run this race with endurance which is set before us. But we should lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily trips us up. And then we saw that we should be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And from that point, we came to what we saw last week, where we saw that the Lord God brings things in our lives or allows them in our lives to make us more like Christ. So with this in mind, understanding God's discipline on our lives, understanding that he uses every event in our lives, how are we to respond? Well, look at uh, chapter 12, verse verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. And then I want to read the next portion, which we'll look at, Lord willing, next week. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification with which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. And that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it, sought for it with tears. And so back in our passage we have the beginning here in verse twelve, therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Our passage starts out with this term, therefore, and in, in the Greek language it, it's a it's a Greek word that means for this reason. For this reason, then do these things. And that's really what's going on in our passage. For this reason, what he has shared before, then do these things, which we're going to see today. There's basically four commands, three direct commands, and then a then a, 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 a an a uh, implied command. For this reason, well, what is that reason? Well, we saw it last week, and it was important that we just briefly review what we saw last week in verses four through eleven, because it's what he shares there. For this reason, that we should be then be doing these things you'll remember in verses 1 to 3 we were uh, given examples that motivate us those that cloud of witnesses that cloud of testifiers that motivate us to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that sin of not believing the lord not believing his word that so easily entangles us and takes tight grip upon our lives and to run this race with endurance that's set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus, who, who endured uh, for, the, for, the, for the joy set before him, who brought about redemption for us. And then we saw last week in verse 4, he says, you have not resisted in contrast to the Lord's faithful struggle, which he brought about redemption. You believers have not resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against, and we saw that word, the sin, sin. You've not resisted. It's not as bad as it could be in your lives, right? You haven't been martyred yet, right? You know, no matter how bad or how difficult our lives are, we haven't been killed yet, right? It's not as bad as it could be. But in contrast, we see that this sin here is what we're striving against. It's the sin of unbelief and our striving against unbelief. We're striving against the sin. We strive against sin We want to do the right thing We want to trust the lord But yet we find ourselves controlled by those things at times in which when our eyes have been pulled off jesus christ And so we have a struggle in trusting the lord when things get tough We have a struggle when there are difficult situations around us difficult circumstances difficult relationships whatever it might be and so Is that not when we struggle with our faith, when things happen in our lives? Absolutely. And for those of you facing hardship, uh, we are tempted to look at our circumstances and the situation, and within that, our eyes are so subtly pulled off of trusting Christ and believing in his word, and then we can become discouraged. But yet it isn't as bad as it could be. But we saw last week that these Hebrew believers, they had forgotten something. They had forgotten what God does through all the difficulties in our lives. Look at verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. It's clear in the context that the struggle, this fight against those who were persecuting them and the situations they were struggling against, being tempted to be discouraged about, that this had been ordained by the Lord and God was allowing it to happen. But more specifically here he's saying it's his discipline. It's his discipline. And you might remember we looked at this concept of discipline in the Word of God. It's not simply chastisement. It's not simply a spanking. We saw that God's discipline involves certainly a spanking if needed, but it also involves training and education or a combination of both or even those things that might prevent us from sinning. You think about someone who is disciplined in something. There's training going on. And God is training us through all the difficulties that come in our lives. And we have to see it that way. Once we confess our sin, even the failures that we have, we do something, we sin, we fail, and there are difficulties or consequences for those things that may or may not be going away, And but yet God is willing to use them and does use them to train us, to trust Him, to be more like Jesus Christ. Difficulties with whatever it might be, He's using those things in our lives. He uses them for our good. But yet we are like these Hebrews. We can forget in the moment, the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons, they had forgotten a very familiar scripture, proverbs chapter three, a very familiar scripture that that God disciplines the one whom he loves they had forgotten that that 's what God does, that he scourges every son they had forgotten that, and because of immaturity and word forgetfulness, they were most likely seeing their trials through human lenses and were we're becoming discouraged and and maybe wanting to give up, as we saw, to grow weary in that sense. The term means to give up, and it's this point that God, through the the writer of Hebrews, gives them a reality check from Hebrews in Hebrews uh, to the Hebrews from Proverbs chapter three, clearly stating that God disciplines His beloved children, that they shouldn't be caught off guard when it happens. That God is using it, as we'll see, for their good, to sanctify them, to make them like Christ. And we need to not forget the Word of God, which is uh, brought forth, the exhortation addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. And we saw so clearly last week that there are two directions that we can most likely go in the context of being sinful when God disciplines us. When difficulties come upon our lives and he is using them to train us to, to become more like Christ, we can turn in different directions. And we are told not to regard it lightly, first of all, the discipline of the Lord. That speaks, as we saw, having an apathetic, nonchalant, unconcerned reaction, seeing something as of little value. And I relate that to the reality as we experience trials, difficulties come in our lives for whatever reason, we can kind of write it off as, okay, it's because of this or because of this or because of this. Yeah, maybe so, but behind that, the Lord is using it to train us. And that's where we need not be nonchalant. We need to not take it lightly not take it lightly. It's a serious thing God is allowing in our lives. It's an important thing because He's making us like Jesus Christ. We are not to hold it or regard it lightly, but take it seriously. Even if it's your fault or not, whatever it might be, take it seriously. God is working in you His glorious plan through those difficulties. And every Christian, we should go back to this mindset when difficulties come upon our lives. should go back to this understanding and not forget what god is doing not forget the exhortation which is addressed to us as sons well there's another opposite response that uh, we looked at last week that we might be tempted to fall into when difficulties come our way he says nor faint when you are reproved by him you remember we saw the term faint speaks of losing heart getting discouraged maybe even giving up in a sense things can become so difficult in our lives we just we give up, we don't, well, I don't want to take it, I can't take it anymore. I don't want to deal with this, whatever it might be. We're not to faint, we're not to lose heart, because God is behind it doing good, if we understand that. God is behind it, as we're going to see, doing things for our benefit, for our benefit. Now certainly we can suffer for the consequences of sins, and, and if we're not confessing it, God's going to keep spanking and spanking, Right? But when we confess our sin, we recognize even those consequences and whatever else is happening, God is using for good. He loves us. He's a good father. He's not like a a mean earthly father who just spanks and shows no compassion. He's one who uses it to train the heart so that we will become more like Jesus Christ. There is a purpose behind everything that is done in our lives. And we need to recognize this. So we know that we've experienced that you go through difficulties You want to give up you want to change your circus or whatever it might be we're not to do that we're not to faint when we are reproved by him are you struggling to hold on don't faint don't faint are you taking things lightly don't do so recognize god is using whatever it is he is using it to make you more like jesus christ remember this discipline stems from his love now, we need, to, we need to think about it. Have we forgotten his word? Have we forgotten his word practically speaking when we go through difficulties? Are you going through a difficulty right now? Have you forgotten that God disciplines the ones he loves? Have you forgotten that those difficulties he will and is wanting to use for good if we allow him to do so? Well, we see very clearly it's through his love and the reason why he does it. Verse 6. For those whom the Lord loves. Isn't that wonderful? Those whom the Lord loves. He disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. You see, by this the love of God was manifested that he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of sins. You see, God demonstrated His love for us by sending His only Son, Jesus Christ. God the Son came and took on human flesh. He lived the perfect life. He didn't sin and He was taken by His creation according to God's predetermined plan. But through that evil that the creation did to Him, they crucified Him, right? And yet God used that to bring about the forgiveness of sins. And He died for our sins and then rose from the dead. You see, God loves us. He loves us. And, and any loving father doesn't sit back and just watch bad things happen to their kids without being intimately involved in wanting the best for them. You see, and so when things happen to us, we can't forget that whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. He loves us. It's not for us to be squashed like bugs, it's not for us to be, to be destroyed, it's for us to be, as we will see, uh, benefited for us to be built up, for us to become more like him, to share in his holiness, to to have the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we got to renew our minds. we got to get our heads straight when difficulties come. It doesn't mean we deny those things, but we see beyond those things what a loving Heavenly Father is doing. Whom the Lord loves, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. We need to remember this. You need to remember this if you're a true believer. And then notice we saw this in verse 7, which goes along with this. It is for discipline that you endure. It is not for the spanking. It is for God's training that is making you more like Jesus, that is changing you, that is working on you. I tell you right now, when you go through a difficult time, it, it makes you think about your behavior, right? It makes you think about your actions. It makes you think about the way you're living, right? And God uses that through His Word to change us, right? To convict us, to correct us, to grow us and so we recognize it is for his instruction his chastisement it is for his his education of us that we endure these things that come upon us in this life there's no other reason to endure the difficulties if god isn't doing something good in them isn't it i mean what good are these difficulties if god is not doing good in them even when we fail and we confess yes there are consequences but we trust him he's going to teach us he's going to make us more like jesus we mustn't forget god's sanctifying purposes in discipline it is for discipline that you endure and then we see that god's discipline affirms that we're his children uh, first middle verse seven god deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom, fa- whom his father does not discipline hey what true genuine son is there that the father doesn't discipline it's just a question. Well, that's, that's, that's a question that has an, has an answer. Well, of course, a true father of a son is, is going to be disciplined. But if you are without discipline, of which you all have become partakers, all believers, by the way, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If God is not using the events in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ, then you need to question whether... You really know the Lord. You need to question whether you really know the Lord. If you have never, ever uh, been convicted of sin and grown through difficulties because of difficulties that came in you for whatever reason, if that has never happened, if God has not used his discipline to grow you, then you need to question, maybe I'm not a child of God yet. Maybe I truly haven't repented of my sins and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when you do so, when you're a true child of God, when you truly humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, you truly humble yourself and call upon Jesus Christ, He'll save you. And then that process of the bad things in your life will now be for good rather than for bad like it was before you came to Jesus Christ. God deals with us as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, verse 8, of which, which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, and he's using examples here, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Basically, those who had a father who disciplined them, children respected them, but they weren't rebels or wicked, right? They respected their parents for disciplining them, right? They respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live How much more should we subject ourselves to God the Father in His discipline and allow Him to bring life to us, in a sense, right? How much more should we subject ourselves? If you subjected yourself to your Father's discipline, how much more a loving Father who loves you should we subject ourselves and as I mentioned last week, that's part of our problem. We don't want to subject ourselves to God so we rebel against His purposes in the midst of the difficulties that come in our lives. But we should subject ourselves. We should subject ourselves. Folks, we, all of us I'm talking to myself as I preach here we need to submit to our loving, Heavenly Father's disciplinary training. We need to submit to Him because he's doing good, not bad he's doing good remember we saw the ultimate purpose in verse 10 for they speaking of earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them they, as seemed best but he disciplines us what for our good now last week i shared that that word good is not the usual word for good it's a word that's translated usually profitable or profit or benefit he disciplines us for our benefit He's using the difficulties in our lives for our good, for our benefit. We need to remember that and why that we may share his holiness. You see, God is holy and God has said that we're to be holy. But the way we become holy is when God weeds out sin and then he produces the life of Christ in us as we abide and trust in him. That's how he produces holiness in us. And so as we become more and more dependent on Jesus, as we confess sin and walk rightly, have our tracks of our, of our lives straight as we'll see in a moment, the Lord God enables us in that context to share in his holiness. His character is manifest in us. So he is allowing the things that we so dread, and we do dread them, right? It doesn't seem joyful for the moment, right? He is allowing those things, whatever it is, that we might share in his holiness. He wants us to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to have the right attitude in our tribulations and trials. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to see this in the Apostle Paul, the way we as believers should see our tribulations. We have to renew our minds because this is not innate to our person, not innate to us. Our feelings and things don't go this way. We have to renew our minds. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 and not only this but we also exalt or the word could be even say boast in a sense we exalt in our what tribulations really well look what he says knowing knowing that 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 tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character that's christ likeness and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through, His, through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. When we trust in Jesus Christ, focusing on Him through the word and prayer, realizing what He is accomplishing through the myriads of trials and tribulations, when we subject ourselves to Him, we can rejoice and exalt in those difficulties knowing He is doing good for us. But we've got to remember, we can't forget The exhortation that is addressed to us as sons. Now, as I mentioned earlier, verse 11, all discipline for the moment, or literally for the present, and I like that, for the present, seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. That is is so true, right? Amen. Well, we don't want to say amen to that, right? But uh, yes, it does, right? It seems to be not joyful but sorrowful. That's the reality. It's hard. It's difficult. But... The wonderful reality is yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness kind of makes it sound like there's certain levels of discipline that you you kind of get through. And afterwards, there's peace that God trains you by it. And afterwards, there's a fruit from that. Let God train you through the discipline. Let God change you that you would walk in the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Let his discipline work on you. Don't allow the training that he is putting you through to go to waste. He says here, afterwards, or or yet to those who have been trained, we saw that gumnazo, they trained by it. Trained by what? The difficulties God brings that he is using to conform you to the image of Christ. Not brings, but allows. Could bring, but allows afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness you see when we sin there's no peace right when we have wrong attitudes when we're fearful when we're anxious there's no peace i've never seen anyone anxious that had peace when we're fearful whatever we're not trusting the lord that's the sin we're not trusting jesus right that's tightly gripping around us at times in difficulties there's no peace but when we manifest his character his holiness his righteousness there's peace there's peace in the midst of difficulties and is that what we want isn't that what we want we want peace in our difficulties it yields or literally pays back pays back now we need to have the right attitude we need to submit to god's discipline we need to submit to his work in our lives we need to yield to a good and loving god let me share a couple of proverbs that kind of point to of the way we should think about discipline in a sense, or discipline in our lives. Turn to Proverbs chapter 12, and we'll start there, 12 verse 1. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. God says that. Proverbs 13, 1. A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. How much more our heavenly father's discipline, right? A wise son? Uh, Proverbs 13:18. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who what? Regards reproof will be honored. It's interesting. If you read the first half, you'd think maybe it's discipline and work or whatever it might be. That's possible. But when you see the contrast, he says, but he who regards reproof, reproof will be honored. Proverbs fifteen five. A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is prudent. It's prudent. 1532. He who neglects discipline despises himself. But he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. You see, God uses the difficulties in our lives, not simply maybe them, but to reprove us concerning sin, to allow us to think about our actions, to make us examine ourselves that we might confess sin, that we might become more like Jesus. Proverbs 19, uh, 27 Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Cease listening. Proverbs nineteen twenty, the last one here. Listen to counsel and accept discipline, that you may be wise for the rest of, the rest of your days. The reality is God has ordained that his true children are disciplined, and he's a loving father. Tremendous reality that he is using it for good, that he loves us, that every circumstance, no matter what, he will use. If we will submit to that process, we will yield to him. We will trust him in that. And notice I want to read from this last verse 11 into our passage now. All discipline, back in Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 12, excuse me, verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Therefore, in light of his loving discipline, to his true children in light of what we are not to forget in light of what he is doing therefore we have the first command and actually we're giving in context four exhortations first of all look at you could say it you could almost say it this way uh, grammatically verse 12 therefore make straight he says here or excuse me therefore uh, strengthen right Therefore, strengthen. Then we have, therefore, uh, verse 13, make straight. Therefore, pursue, verse 14. Therefore, see to it. Uh, Verse 15, you could say it that way. The therefore applies to all of those things grammatically. Therefore, do these things. Uh, Therefore, strengthen, make straight, pursue, see to it. See to it. So, in light of our understanding of God's disciplinary action, here is how we are to respond. So, first of all, how do we respond to God's discipline? First of all, we ought to understand it. We need to know what He's doing and get that straight in our heads. But there's something we need to actually do also, that we actually step out and do. And that's what we're going to see here today. How are we to respond? I think, first of all, we're to get our hearts right, certainly as we've seen. But secondly, or to respond in a way that comes alongside those who are struggling with this. Look at verse, uh, verse uh, twelve. Therefore, strengthen the hands of hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight the path for your feet. Make straight path for your feet, so that so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Here we have basically an inspired paraphrase of Isaiah chapter 35, a quote from there. Isaiah 35, I have it on the front of your bulletins, most of it here. Encourage the exhausted. Isaiah 35, 3. Strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you the context here i believe is speaking to jews in the midst of god's judgment upon the nations it's so difficult he's purging you too in the midst of this but he's going to save you he's going to save you therefore strengthen the hands that are feeble and the knee, excuse me hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble back in chapter 12 now this participle translated that are weak uh, speaks of that which drops limp, okay? So it's like you know, a runner whose hands have just gone down like this. And then the term feeble, actually, that relates to the term knees here, it's, a, it's an illustration, uh, speaks literally of that which is paralyzed. Paralyzed. And these participles are in a, pa- a perfect tense, passive voice. What does that mean? These hands have dropped limp in the past, and the knees have become paralyzed in the past, and they still are right now. And so there's a command, and this passively happened. You see, when we're discouraged because of the difficulties in life, we become immobilized in the good fight of faith, the race with Jesus trusting in Jesus Christ, the race that we are to run with endurance. We become immobilized, and here we are told how to respond, that there are those spiritually immobilized because of word forgetfulness. And a wrong response that God allows hardships that God allows. There's a, to be a response. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are feeble and the knees that are weak. You know, every one of us understands this to a certain extent. I believe that uh, regardless of the trial, whether we're being disciplined for sin or not, we've confessed it, whatever. Whether it's just difficulties that God allows, regardless, uh, we recognize that when we forget the Word of God on a practical basis, when we forget it, when we pull our eyes off of Jesus, we become paralyzed. We become limp and weak in our walk with Jesus. Our faith is pretty much ineffective at that time, right? We see that. And we're tempted, right? Therefore, in light of what God is doing, this command now is to everyone in the body, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. The term "strengthen" here speaks of restoring a fallen structure. To bring it back to where it was. Bring it back to where they were. They were trusting the Lord. They're not doing it now. You were trusting the Lord, but you're not doing it now. Strengthen. Use the word of God to inform those whom God loves. First and primary yourself, but then others. That this is what the Lord is doing. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Set up that which has fallen. Set up that which has fallen. These believers, through their word forgetfulness concerning their circumstances, had become weak and feeble. They were in need of endurance, chapter 10. And it's at this point that we recognize every believer at many times may need to be strengthened to be set up again, to be restored in our thinking concerning our trials and what God is doing in those. He says, literally, you all... Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. And obviously, we apply this to ourselves first, but it should be applied to the body of Christ as a whole. So, how do we apply this? How do we come alongside someone who has been immobilized by the difficulties that God has allowed? How do we do this? How do we do this? It's through the knowledge of the truth in a context to encourage someone to submit to god's work in their lives for their good it's a renewal of the heart and mind concerning what a good and gracious and loving god is doing is doing we see here so clearly that we need to come alongside believers who are faltering in their trials we need to share his word that they would have a changed mindset to bring about confession if needed, to to turn attention back to Jesus so that they will benefit. They will benefit. They will share in his holiness. Therefore, based on what God is doing, revealed in his Word, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. In every trial we are tempted to falter, to be paralyzed with our walk. Remember what God has said. Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble now apart from God's word doing so in our hearts in a submitted heart we're not going to be strengthened we need to see things rightly we need to come rightly before the Lord and we should come and strengthen we should encourage the exhausted strengthen the feeble say to those anxious in heart take heart take courage and fear not God's doing a good thing he's doing a good thing have you come along a brother or sister and struggle and come and encourage them have you strengthened the knees that are feeble? Now, they may not respond, and that's, that's a problem in and of itself. But the implication is that you are going to be able to strengthen true brothers. You're going to be able to set them back upright again, to come alongside them, to help them in the midst of their difficulties. Isaiah chapter 50. Let's look there. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The Lord has given me the tongue of a disi- of disciples, That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Right? He awakens my morning, my morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. You know, we're all disciples of the Lord. And we have the word of God. We need to come alongside and strengthen the the hands that are feeble and the knees that that are weak, knees that are feeble. This strengthen brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, those who are faltering in their faith in Jesus Christ. You see, we want to share, we want them to share in his holiness. We want them to experience the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And the only way is if they remember the exhortation and they understand and they turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're to make that decision to do that. But then notice also uh, we are to get back on track personally ourselves. Look at uh, verse 13 in in hebrews chapter 12 and make straight paths for your feet make straight paths for your feet this is a command in light of god's disciplinary actions that he is using to 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 bless and benefit his children do this make straight paths for your feet Now, the term pass literally spoke of the the tracks or grooves that a wheel would leave. They're wheel paths. So as a a wheel on a chariot, whatever it might be, a wagon, those paths that it made were those paths. It was straight. And it says, make straight paths. Make straight paths. Now, before we were commanded to to strengthen those, uh, set them aright, just do it. That's the tense in in the last command. Here, it is continually, habitually make straight paths for your feet. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to make straight paths for your feet? Well, obviously the path of our feet speaks of the path of our life, the course, the direction we're going, right? It speaks of our behavior, the path of our feet, what we do on a daily basis. It seems to be an inspired paraphrase of Proverbs chapter 4. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. And he says here, and let me find it here. Uh, Look at verse 20. I'm going to go back a little bit my son give attention to my words this is solomon speaking to sons pay attention to the word of god do not let them depart your from your sight keep them what in the midst of your heart put god's word in your heart don't let it go away right proverbs 4 for they are life to those who find them and and health to to all their whole body watch over your heart with all diligence well that's where you're supposed to be keeping the word right Watch of your heart. Don't let the word escape. Think rightly. Watch of your heart with all diligence. From it flow the springs of life. Put away from from you a deceitful mouth and put devious lips far from you. Now notice this. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left turn your foot from evil turn your foot from evil make straight the paths of your feet you see proverbs also has a lot of other passages in there i'll read some concerning concerning uh, our way our direction the way we should live the way we should go look back at proverbs 3 proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 You see, you can't make straight the path of your feet unless the Lord is primary and you're trusting him and allowing his word to direct you. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Then we see it says, And He will make your ways or your paths straight. You want straight paths? Trust the Lord with your entire heart. You want straight paths, you've got to have the word in your heart too, as we see. Proverbs 6, 23. For the commandment is a lamp, the teaching is a light, and reproofs and discipline are the way of life. God's word directs your way. Proverbs 9, 6. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Proverbs 16, verse 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. Think about your behavior. He who keeps the commandments, Proverbs nineteen sixteen. He who com- keeps the commandments keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. Proverbs twenty two five. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse, but he who guards himself will be far from them. And read this one. Twenty three nineteen. Listen, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Twenty three twenty six. Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. Our passage make straight path the, the path of your feet. Make straight the path of your feet. make straight wheel tracks. Turn to Joshua chapter one, very familiar passage. Joshua 1 verse 7 as the Lord encourages Joshua before they go into the land, Only be strong and what very courageous. That's the opposite of being weak and feeble, isn't it? Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your what? Your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you shall be careful to do according to all that is written within it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Make straight wheel paths. And the way we do so is by having God's word in our hearts, obeying it and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are now to behave properly. We're not to respond sinfully to God's discipline. We're to behave properly. We are to get on track. We are to turn from evil and to do what is right. We are to make straight the path of our feet. We need to turn from evil and do what is right by the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop sinning in your unbelief and your word forgetfulness and recognize what God is doing through trials. Do not deviate to the left or the right. Make straight the path of your feet. He's speaking of obedience and the, and the command here is for the whole body you all do this you all make straight continually habitually we all have a responsibility so are you overwhelmed by your difficulties confess your sin renew your mind understand what god is doing be encouraged make straight the path of your feet get back to obeying the lord you see it's so easy to stop obeying the lord when we're in difficulties Start complaining, start grumbling, start worrying. Get back. Get straight. Because we're going to see in a moment, if you're not straight, there are consequences. And it affects people around us. Get back on track. But notice, there's a reason. Look at the end of verse uh, 13. So that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Very interesting statement. You see, there are great consequences for the believer who does not respond to God's exhortations. There are consequences. Make straight the paths of your feet. Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight the paths of your feet, straight paths, so that, there's a purpose, the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. Now, as I mentioned before, these paths spoke of wheel tracks or grooves. And they they were those in which people would follow. A wagon would go a certain way and another wagon would follow those tracks. Make straight paths. Make straight grooves. You see, these grooves, which is our behavior in light here, can be spotted by others. It can be spotted by others. Make straight tracks so that the limb that is lame uh, may not be put out of joint. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, the lame limb could speak of limp Christians, certainly as we saw, see, the weak limb, the term weaker brethren, whatever it might be. Those who could be stumbled by our poor example, that's possible, certainly possible. You know, what Christians can be stumbled by other Christians. They could be put out of joint if we're not following the Lord, right? There's certainly reality of that. It's possible. But I believe in context here, this is speaking of those most likely within this group of believers who had professed faith in Jesus, but had not truly come to him yet. These were those who identified with the church but had not trusted Christ. They were those who are continually warned about in the book of Hebrews. They've been convicted of sin. They've seen true faith in Christ. They are t- and they are tempted now not to trust Christ and to go back to Judaism. That's what's going on there. The term lame here speaks of being on the verge of being put out of joint, it speaks of, for the lame. The word speaks of separation or dislocation complete separation. You see, I believe God has graciously warned these unbelievers throughout the book of Hebrews because he's patient, not willing for any to perish. Let's go back and look at some of the warnings throughout this book, which I think really help us understand this. Look at uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Let's just walk through these warnings up to our passage. You see, again, there were true believers in the midst of this body, but there were non-believers also. who are are about ready to turn away from the only Savior, Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You neglect this great salvation you've heard about, how are you going to escape? You're not. Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. That means you can harden your heart, by the way. Don't harden your heart. As when they provoked me in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where their fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They did not know my ways and I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Rest take care, brethren, lest there should be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. People who knew the truth, they're hanging out with believers, but they split, they leave. They leave the only truth that will save them. They leave the truth concerning the gospel. Look at verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, let us fear, fear, while the promise remains of entering his rest. Let rest. any one of you should seem to have come short of it, to come short of being saved. He says, For indeed we had the good news preached to us just as they, that's the Israelites, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Chapter 6. Chapter 6. Very serious stuff. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift, verse 4, And have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Hey, they got convicted. They got convicted. And have tasted the good word. The word of God has worked in them. They haven't been saved yet. And the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. You walk away from the truth of the gospel after you've heard it, been convicted by it. Guess what? You're in trouble. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame chapter nine i'll just read this for you Inasmuch as much as it is pointed man wants to die and then comes the judgment go up to chapter 10 verse 26 all these warnings for people in the midst who claim to follow jesus but don't know him and are on the verge of bagging it and taking off Ten twenty six. 26 where if we willfully go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment. The fire of the fury which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy in the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's the old covenant. How much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and regarded unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? And he goes on to talk about uh, his, his vengeance and judgment and then in our passage which we'll see next week verse chapter 12 verse 15 see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God that you don't don't receive his grace and finally one last exhortation 12:25 see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking for if those who did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth how much much less shall we escape and turn away from him who turn away from him who warns from heaven. So throughout this book, there are those who are on the verge of being dislocated, separating from the Hebrews, turning away, being completely dislocated from the truth that could save them. God had warned over and over again not to reject Jesus. It's not simply being in church, but not to reject Jesus. And we are warned, I believe, not to be stumbling blocks. Make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be pulled out of joint but rather healed. Your life is a witness. Your walk is a serious thing. You, You as a Christian who know the Lord going through difficulties, if you're not walking straight and obeying the Lord and not giving a good example in the context of trusting Christ, you're going to be something that stumbles, maybe someone around you who doesn't know Jesus. It's a serious thing. The term separation or put out of joint speaks of dislocation. One pastor says, Sadly, Christians sometimes are the greatest stumbling blocks to Christianity. A bad example by a true believer can tilt a person away from full commitment to Christ and therefore from salvation. A poor testimony can cause irreparable harm, many times times even without knowing it. It can cause a limping unbeliever to be put out of joint completely dislocated." spiritually. God wants unbelievers to be healed, to be saved. It is not His will that any should perish. I think in light of the book of Hebrews, in light of this, it's a warning. Believers, get right your life. Understand what God is doing through discipline. Start walking rightly with the Lord or you might be the cause of a lame limb being dislocated so that and god's desire but notice what he says at the end of verse 13 but rather healed he wants healing he wants salvation he wants them to come to faith he's only that and he should perish may it never be that our walk causes people to turn from christ to not be spiritually healed you see there in our families kids teens youths, teens young adults who profess but yet don't truly know jesus and they're watching the wheel paths of our lives. There are those who have been made a profession of faith, but are faltering, ready to turn away from that profession. They truly haven't been saved yet. They haven't trusted Christ. May it never be that our wheel, pan, wheel tracks cause them not to be spiritually healed, but rather they would be saved. Folks, our lives are a testimony to those around us, and we run the risk of stumbling people. Turn to Matthew chapter 5 as we finish up here. Matthew 5. And notice the context is in the midst of persecution. You see, it's when we're going through difficulty, our walk falters. And we need to be set up and straight so that we don't stumble people, right? It's during those difficulties we falter. But God wants to encourage us. He wants us to be strengthened. He's doing good even in the difficulties and through the difficulties. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me, Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who, went, who were before you. Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. The salt means it's flavor, right? You know, if you eat eggs and don't have salt in it, they're not flavorful. You put some salt on there, there's flavor, Right? You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become flavorless or tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. There is a huge exhortation here, folks, for us to get our wheel tracks straight To see God's discipline right, to see Him as a loving, gracious, wonderful God doing good, rather than being all caught up and worried and anxious and fearful and all this stuff, making tracks that are all over the place where people look and say, Is that real Christianity? Is that trust in Jesus Christ? Is that real faith? I don't want any part of that. What kind of God is that? Folks, make straight the paths of your feet. Strengthen the hands that are weak and the limbs that are feeble. He says, And make straight the pass of your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint. In the church there are some lame limbs. They don't work at all. They don't have any life in them, just like someone's lame leg. They don't have life, but they're about to be separated. We need to make straight the pass of our feet, so that those who are about to fall away would turn back and trust in jesus christ so then how are we to respond to god's loving discipline god's purposeful discipline that he allows first of all we're to strengthen the hands that are weak and the limbs that are feeble go alongside come alongside brothers and sisters and encourage them with the word of god be strong fear not be strong in the lord he's doing good in your life built up it's okay it's a good thing god is doing good he's it's all gonna be good in what he's doing he works everything together for good strengthen them strengthen them but then we need to get our walks right make straight the pass of our feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed isaiah 35 3 encourage the exhausted strengthen the feeble Say to those anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Be strong, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And it is, it is uh, hard to hear at times that our behavior could stumble people. Lord, I pray if we have not had straight wheel tracks that we would confess, that we would be right with you, and that you would be gracious and merciful and mitigate those consequences. Lord, we want your desire that those around us who are not saved to be healed. Lord, I pray for every true believer here that uh, we would strengthen one another and we would walk rightly. Lord, that those around us who don't know you would would come to faith. Lord, help us to press forward and not back. Help us to see you rightly. Help us to be encouraged by your tremendous, gracious love for us. I pray this in Jesus' name.